Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Sukanya Manny. Sukanya is an interdisciplinary artist with a passion for science, anthropology, and philosophy. She uses the ancient art form of kirigami, paper cutting, as a means of physically constructing her interpretations of these universes within universes. Please tell me I said kirigami right. Yes, you did. Oh my gosh. It's so, because so, we've heard of origami. Yeah. Folding. So this is cutting. Yes. So it is fascinating. I was just looking at your LinkedIn the other day and I'm like, this woman's everywhere. You have artwork everywhere. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's so cool. And you don't you do so your the paper cutting is a big thing, but I also noticed that you also work in metals and you're painting and you do a lot. Yeah, I mean as as artists, one of the things that um I do and I know a lot of artists do is we work with different materials and we do a lot of permutations and combinations, right? Like um for example, if you want to print something on paper, right? You one you can go and get it printed somewhere. Right. The other thing you can do is you can learn how to do monoprints, <laughs> which is crazy, but that's kind of how a lot of at least that's how I work. So, you know, watch a bunch of videos, read some books and kind of do some um experimentations at home and then do the monoprinting yourself. So, one way that um I like to when I'm creating artwork, there is a sum of it that I really like to control. Okay. Like, like the paper cutting part, the actual cutting is something that's, you know, it's it's very focus driven, very almost meditative, right? What you're doing. So it's 100% in my control. The colors that I apply to the paper are in my control. But when I go to install the work, when I take the paper and then I hang it from a ceiling, uh... I have to let go of the control. So there is a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there are just so many different things involved. And when, to your point about the painting and, um, you know, the the metalwork is public art. That's slightly different. Right. But with the installation, a lot of the materials that I work with is, is what helps me dictate the work to where I want it to be. And then once I get it to that, I also have to learn to kind of let it go let and it go, let the let universe it, let work it do its, its own life. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am really intrigued by the paper cutting it, because it looks like that has to take one. I mean, how long does that take? And I'm guessing you're not using your standard scissors to do this. I don't use scissors. I use um, X-Acto knives. Okay. Um and it takes a very long time. And, and you know, what people see, like if you go to my website and if you see one of my pieces, um, it's not like a, I started this and finished it in six weeks. You know, it doesn't work like that. I have to do um, some prototypes first. I have to work with different, like I can work with watercolor material okay. and kind of see what does that look like. Then I, I also work with Tyvek, which is an industrial um, oh, like you see on the outside of houses, right? Exactly. Interesting. Yes. And what I have noticed is with certain kinds of Tyvek, again, I've experimented with multiple 
types of Tyvek. There are some Tyvek um, materials that have like a textile quality that it wraps beautifully. It gives, it has a flow when you hold the paper. It has a give to okay. it. Okay. Um, and then it also lets me cut into it with clean lines. Oh, got so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to think of, and they're so intricate. Yeah, and there is no room for mistakes. That is the hard part. That is the that is what took me the longest to learn. Like, there's really no way to fix mistakes. I would say so. If you know, if you make a mistake or if it's not going where you want it to go, unfortunately, you have to start a whole new. It's like I got to start. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, and then. I mean, I'm looking at these very, what look like very delicate pieces and how do you transfer them? And then you're going to hang them up from a ceiling or on a wall or something. And is that, uh, does it make you a nervous wreck? It does. I mean, in the beginning it did, but the one thing I, so I have this attitude about my artwork, right? Like, um, I would rather people see it and enjoy it than, you know, for fear of, oh, what if it tears? For, exactly. Keep it, keep it in yes. the basement. Right? Right, right, I want right. it to be out there. It's okay if it's damaged, if it damages or something happens to it. Of course, I don't want it to be damaged. Well, no, but, I would cry. <laughs> but, right? <laughs> but I also have that feeling that I, I always know the back of my mind, I can make I can make it again or I can make something like it again. So I don't have a fear of... I make it and then I just let it go. You know, it's it's it just it's not mine anymore. If it's supposed to be torn, then it gets torn. But um, I I got the pleasure of creating it. So gosh, that's such a great attitude about it. And so you work with these different papers, the Tyvek material, which I found so I find that really interesting, just because I see it on the outside of construction all the time. Um, but it seems like that's probably a really tougher material, yes. right? Yes. With some of my pieces, I have to work with Tyvek because if I wanted to have like a flow and like a ethereal movement, you know, then I work with Tyvek. Right. With some pieces, I have to work with watercolor paper because it needs, it needs to be thicker. It needs to be a bit more stiff. And the other thing that I do is I uh, paint over it. So if I do multiple layers of paint, oh, just okay. the paint on the paper itself adds a body to it. Oh, nice. Okay, that makes sense. So then what, I mean, so, you know, we were talking about in the beginning how there's all these different ideas that come into this. This isn't just art. There's a lot of other ideas that come into this. And like, where did it all start? You're like, I'm going to do this art. I'm going to bring in the science and anthropology and what, I mean, where did all this come from? Um, it's just um, started with painting because I grew up thinking that is art. You mm -hmm. know, when you take brush and paint and pencil on paper, that's how you physically represent things. You know, that, right. so that's where it started for me. And then, um, you know, as we we just figure out life in different ways, right? Like we figure out a recipe, for example, like um, let, let's say a grandmother's soup. We inherit that recipe and we start off at point A. And then, again, depending on our personality, some people like to stick to the recipe and right. do it exactly like that. I'm not one of, one of those people. You, you're adding different spices. I'm constantly and <laughs> playing around with yes. it. And also it has to uh, shift to different tastes, let's say. You know, I'm 
liking the direction in which this is going. I need to add more body to this or I need to make it for 10 people or whatever it is. I'm just making an analogy with right, the recipe. Right. But, and also, as with life, how the way I, I have so many interests, specifically with science and cosmic science. I just love learning about, you know, what's out there, things that we don't know at the really the edge of our understanding. So I'm constantly, you know, listening to audiobooks or watching videos and learning about all of this. And that just translates into my art. And so it started out with drawing and painting, and then it just, I was not able to express myself the way I wanted to. So I just started to take, you know, take all the colors out of it. So I was painting in black and white to kind of Again, experiment and see, right. you know, like this is stark contrast. Let's see what happens with that. And that stark contrast um, just played more when I took something out. You know, I just cut a piece of paper out and that's contrast too. There's something there and something not there. Right. So that was the starting point of it. That was, you know, I was playing with light and shadows with that at, at that time to kind of see, okay, I control exactly what the shadows are going to look like if I cut it. Right. So I'm really controlling light, you know, right. how do I want the shadows to fall? Where do I want the light to hit it? How big should these negative spaces be? Uh, it started with that. And then, you know, and I was also looking at light as such a building block of our universe. It's something that scientists use to understand even distances, right? Like right. how far things are, right. they use light as a measuring tool. Exactly. Which is just so weird, but so cool too. Light years. Light right? years, yeah. exactly. And also light travels at this speed, like it doesn't change its speed, it goes in one, you know, there's just so many elements to it. Right. Um, so I started with that and then uh, tied in with light is space too. You know, the space that we're living in, the space that the universe exists in. And um, space uh, is something that I explored with paper using a two-dimensional material. Okay. But warping it into a three-dimensional sculpture. So you take a piece of paper, and then if you roll it into a cylinder, it becomes a three-dimensional sculpture. Right. So I was using light and space at that time to say, okay, I'll, okay, I take this piece of paper and I kind of contort it in different ways and then when I hang it from the ceiling, it just uses the forces of gravity. Certain parts of it get pulled down, certain part of it flatten out, certain things roll. So then I just, it was, it was a light bulb moment that I was using light, space, and gravity. Oh, how cool. And the light, I mean, I got to tell you, just, I have a question concerning, I mean, I am fascinated with light and, and I've, I've, you know, I love like light artists and what they do, but then you're a light artist in many ways because you're you're creating something that light shines through and projects something somewhere else. I just think they're beautiful, Sukanya. I mean, it, it is really fun to look at your LinkedIn and <laughs> all the different, and you're like, oh, I have a piece here, I have a piece there. Mm -hmm. So, so then does that also translate with when you're doing um, the metal? Like, do you physically cut that metal out? No, I have a fabricator who does okay, it. Okay, gotcha. So you huge, design it? Yes. Yeah, because I was looking at thinking, what? How, how does one make that happen? So you're designing it and then working with the fabricator right. who was like, I will cut this out. I'm going to cut the... 
Right. You know, the design out, the inner parts out, that right. kind of thing. I make prototypes in paper. You know, I can make a prototype in paper. Right. And then sometimes I, uh, I've learned the basics of, um, you know, computer design. Like I put the design in a format that I can just send it to my fabricator and he can cut it. Got it. So, yeah. It is the the idea of light also applies to us in, in like in philosophical terms, like you know, we, some people feel invisible, mm-hmm. you know, because of whatever, various reasons. You right. know, they are not recognized in society. But that's another way of looking at how we human beings interact with light, right? Like we feel, we feel visible and we, some people don't feel visible, feel like, you know, people are not giving me the due that I need or, so, so there is, so there is a scientific aspect to it, but there's also a philosophical aspect to light that we can explore through art. It's so interesting. So one of the things before we started our podcast, you were sharing with me this idea of shining light on domestic abuse and specifically in the immigrant population. Talk about that. That's that's a, an amazing subject. It it really needs more attention. Um so along with science, I've also worked with within areas of gender study, right? Mm-hmm. So how are women perceived? What are the different, um, what are some of the obstacles women have? And just trying to go back and understand, you know, where we are at, right? Like historic, from, the, from a historic perspective. Now, um, I start, this whole project started a couple of years ago when I did a project called Sola Singar. And it was also called Sola Singar, What She Wore. So the idea was just looking at how clothing affects women. Okay, that was right. a broad perspective. But the idea was, um, I was I was born in India. And one of the ways that I presented myself as a woman was, you know, wearing certain kinds of jewelry. We wear bindis on our foreheads. Right earrings and flowers in our hair. These are things that I was specifically told, this is how you present yourself as a woman. You know, this is what you have to do this because you're living in a society. This is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same things that like, you know, the perfume that you're wearing, the flowers and these beautiful bright clothes. That is what is weaponized against women when they are victims of sexual violence and abuse. So if a woman is raped, often a question that's asked is, what were you wearing? Why were you dressed up in such an attractive way, right? So, sorry, that was going back a little bit, but that's where the journey started. Right, yeah, exactly. So a couple of years ago, I did a project on that. And then recently, uh, in 2020, 2021, when, you know, we everybody, we had all shut down, I was reading about, you know, how mental health issues were coming up again. Yeah. And people who are already vulnerable are becoming more vulnerable, right? That COVID and definitely COVID, did that. Right. Yes. So I was looking at, uh, so what resources are there for women who are in domestic abuse, in, in abusive relationships? So I was just kind of doing some research to see, okay, what's out there? There's not much for immigrant and refugee women. Right. There could be a language barrier there. There is a legal barrier and there is a geographical barrier. So these... uh, And a connections barrier because they don't have the 
family. They don't may right. not have the friends, like the people that they can reach out to right. and go, hey, this is going on with me. Right. Well, I don't even know where to go, what to do, who to turn to. And if they are, um, if they don't have a driver's license, for example, I mean, there are a lot of, it's like you, you become a prisoner. Literally, you know, and it is exactly what you, so, so again, when, um, it's predominantly women. There are some men who are being abused. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't forget, you know, that yeah, population right. and the LGBT, LGBTQ population. Right. Within communities, within all communities, but specifically within immigrant and refugee communities, there's also a cultural barrier. So it's not easy to get divorces. So when you get married, um, it's like you're starting a life. And right. often the families will say, well, these are things that happen. You need to, you know, just Go with it. Have a Figure baby. Figure it out. Everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah, right. and just stay with him for another few years and everything will be fine. And there is a added burden of, um, again, this is, I won't say it's typically only within South Asian families, but because that's where I come from, that's the culture I'm most you aligned see it to. A lot. I see it. Yep. So if there is a woman who's married and she has younger sisters in line who have to get married, so th- there's that added burden. They cannot go through a divorce because they want to make sure that their sisters have good lives. Oh, So there's gosh. just so many okay. things yeah. that that sometimes, uh, let's say there's a, you know, there's, there's a police officer or a legal service person or social service person who goes and visits an immigrant family. They may not fully be aware of these cultural right, right, barriers right. on top of everything else, right? So that's why th- this project that I'm working on is an awareness project, more to bring awareness to these issues specifically and kind of come up with, like, how do we collectively come up with solutions? Like, what is the educational paradigm here? What, yes. Who do we need to talk to and how should we talk to people? You know, these are, there are so many questions out there. And I think I, art is a wonderful way to make, bring people together. Exactly. In a safe, and bring awareness and start to get that conversation right. going. Right. So I can't wait to see what this is going to look like. I, I will be watching you. But Thank you. will you tell, uh, share with everybody like where they can learn more about you? Sure. I have a website, and that's the best way to to see my work. It's www.sukanyamani.com. S U K A N Y A. M-A-N-I, just so everybody gets yes. it. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is mannequins, M-A-N-A-K-I-N-S underscore art. So I usually post on Instagram what I'm doing. Um, but this right now I'm more at a research phase with this particular project. Right. The aware, Domestic Violence Awareness Project is called Beside Between Beyond. So it is the idea of, you know, living in space with traveling through time (laughs) with women and men and uh, people of, you know, different genders who are living in, uh, you know, in domestic violence or domestic abuse situations. You know, how do we, how do we support that group? That's amazing. Thank you for that work. That is a huge kindness and that, that my podcast is all about kindness. And so I love that. So I have 
I have some fun, interesting questions for you. We're going to change okay. things up a little <laughs> bit here. All right. Um, lighten it up, I guess. So do you make paper snowflakes? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I play make. I, play I can't with even imagine what your paper snowflakes look like. <laughs> oh, they're very regular. Oh, you really? Know, I okay. Don't, well, I don't put pressure on myself. You know what I mean? Like, I gotcha. There are times, if you come to my studio, you will not see perfect paper sculptures. You will see tons of discarded paper, lots and lots of experimenting, because I believe art should be fun. Once it gets to a point of, oh, you know, this is such a pain. Bra- yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's <laughs> right, not right. fun anymore. So my paper sculptures are just as, uh, you know, asymmetrical and torn as everybody else. Oh my gosh, because I was thinking I would I would feel under pressure for it's like, let's make paper snowflakes with Sukanya. I'd be like, uh, okay. All right. So you're from India. Um and I I promise I am going there someday. So if if I am going to India, what part what would you tell me you have to see? Oh my God, that's such a difficult question. I know, it's a big place. Um, It's a big, but also, see, I, just to give you a background, I am an army kid. So I grew up all over the country. What does it have to be, India? Just tell me somewhere that you're like, Miss, you should definitely go see this. You should go to the Himalayan mountains. You know, it is the northeastern part of India. Okay. A big part of my childhood, and, you know, I grew up there. Um, there is a place called Sikkim where I uh, did my high school and it's it's a beautiful, gorgeous place. You can see, you know, the snow-capped mountains and the the, the most beautiful rivers running down. Um, and it's, it's, it's like, you know, mountain heaven. Oh, wow. And then the other place I would recommend is where my family is from. That's the language I speak, which is Chennai. Okay. It's in the southern part of India. Weather-wise, it's very, it's the opposite of, you know, the mountains. It's okay. very, it's hot and humid, It's a, but it's right next to the beach. And um, there are beautiful ancient temples, like oh. with gorgeous sculptures. Yes. Um, so, yes, that's another place you should visit. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to get there someday. Um, all right. So the thing that I always ask everyone is about kindness just something top of mind, perhaps recent, that has to do with kindness, whether it's something you witnessed, you were given, you received. Oh, that's every day, you know, there, there's so much kindness in this world. It's so underrated. We don't talk about it. Thank you so much. For- well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm all about, let's Let's make that. I know it sounds fluffy, but come on. We no, need it more is, kindness. You're absolutely right. I'll tell you something. So I, as I mentioned before, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> and I was not feeling great. So I was, uh, this is an example. I was lying down in bed and just feeling miserable. And my 11-year-old comes in and goes, it's so hard to be a mom to a mom. Aww. And he was like, what can I do for you? And I said, I'm fine. You know, and then he said, it's so hard to be a mom. To a mom. And he was just feeling... What a sweet thing. I know. It was just, you know, it just made me feel so happy to have him in my life. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But it well, is true. You know, we moms are always... We know, can do everything. We can, we'll take care of <laughs> we it. We've got of. it handled for you. Right. Yeah. And when we're down, it's like, right. 
I'm down. I cannot do anything right, right now. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Go the get idea. me something to eat. <laughs> exactly. But it's the idea of him recognizing it and, and trying to repay that back to me and say, exactly. what can I do? So I love oh, that. What a sweetheart. What's his name? Vishan. Vishan. How many kids do you have? I have two boys. All right. What my are their names? My older one is Sujay. Okay. He's 21. All right. And my younger one is 11-year-old. He's Vishan. Got you. And hubby? Hubby is Murli and he, yeah. He's at home with the boys. <laughs> All right, guys. Mom's here. We love her. So, Sakanya, thank you. I mean, thank you so much for everything you're doing. I love, I just love what you've done with your art and then the, just the the thoughtfulness that you bring to, okay, what's my next, you know, what, are, what am I going to do now? What am I going to talk about now? What am I bringing out into the universe now? I love it. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure being here. Oh, my gosh. So great to get to talk to you one-on-one. And everybody out there, you've been listening to Mishmash Podcast. Uh, You know, keep doing all the good things you should be doing. And I don't want to say should, that you want to do. You want to be good. You want to be kind. Do that for everyone. Thank you. Catch you next time. Bye.